Now I can hear myself. Finally. That's good. Yeah. That's all I do this for, really. Just want to hear myself talk. Yeah. So how Same. are you? I'm good. That's good. I was at uh, girls camp all weekend. Ooh. It was fun. That's it was fun. like a girls STEM camp. That's cool. What do they do? Um, So like me and a bunch of other young professionals sure like made up like, if you will shops and stuff yes young <laughs> professionals uh-huh made up a bunch of different workshops for them me and these two girls that go to ub they're pretty cool um, uh-huh. we worked on one that was like we we did it today they got to they had two recipes for like homemade shampoo Ooh. and they got to do that and make it and then the real like meat of it was that you know girls they, love that's what they're into they love that's what shampoo. they're into um but the real meat of it was like we want you to pitch to us like why we should invest in your shampoo and like ah, cool. they each had like roles they had to play and like think about it that way it was really interesting it was more like business focused i guess right um, but yeah it was good it was different yeah that's cool and then we did like a water filtration workshop which was fun Mm-hmm. so you have something one. to wash yourself and use the shampoo exactly solar oven to feed yourself mm-hmm. that didn't really work super great because like it was not super sunny oh. they were just trying to melt marshmallows and none of mm. them melted but that's that was okay sad it's tragic yeah um, what other ones did we do oh they did like a fake escape room mm. Which was actually really cool. It wasn't like escaping a room, but it was like they well, had what these. What the hell was it? <laughs> they had these. Um, each team had a locked box that had two or three locks on it and they had uh like a scientist notebook like the super famous scientist or something like who lived in the middle of the woods and they had to like look at her notebook for clues of how to open it Mm -hmm. um and each like entry in the notebook corresponded with like a different activity that they had to find it was actually really interesting it was really it was really well put together i would say that's cool yeah but i i said this not to be real smug, but I want to be mm-hmm. real smug. Mm-hmm. I said this before we started the camp. I was like, guys, this is really chemistry focused for one. Two, yeah, this gosh. is really engineering focused, which is only one of the STEM letters. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there might be girls there that are interested in pure science or math or whatever. Like, how are we going to cater to them? And they're like, oh, well, I don't know. I was like, okay. And then at the end of the camp, they're like, girls, like, do you have any suggestions? Like, what did you like? What didn't you like? One of the girls was like, I would like to see more, like, pure science. Because I want, like, I'm interested in physics. Or, like, I'm interested yeah. in marine biology. And, like, yeah. and then you that wasn't a here for me. Yeah. And you were like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> this homie. Is the point this is my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense, though. Yeah. And it's hard, like, I understand everyone, basically everyone except for one girl, were chemical engineers. Mm -hmm. 
like I don't work as a chemical engineer but I did go to school for chemical engineering so like chemistry is something that excites them something that they're interested in that they want to share so that Mm -hmm. makes sense right also like it's not the only thing right some of them hadn't even taken chemistry before or you know so there's always next year I think it'll be better but that's just me being smug yeah that's cool though it was cool it was very fun yeah I have nothing else funny to contribute to the beginning of this show. I had a very long weekend because we were like in a counselor room, but it was kind of like connected above the wall Mm -hmm. to the girls' room. And these girls were talking all night and yeah, twice for two nights in a row. Women. Yeah. Women. Yeah. Can't live with them. Can't live with them. Can't podcast without him. Damn. That's the motto. Yep. <laughs> so this is Meet Cute. Uh-huh. Our show. We talk about all the places that art and science intersect. And I'm Lauren. And I have had the Family Feud theme song stuck in my head for three days. I'm Lee. And I cannot conjure to mind the Family Feud theme song. I've never in my life watched Family Feud. I'm not licensing the Family Feud theme song. This is my cover of it. Alright. No, stop. We're going to get demonetized. <laughs> All this ca- cash <laughs> that we're making is going to be ripped out of our be cold, gone. brittle hands. Yeah. My hands are strong and warm. Our cold, dislocated thumbs. Oh, it's not dislocated. It's just sprained. Um, oh, sorry, in, sprained. In perpetuity. Um, so <laughs> we're talking this week about the pan-American, pansexual exposition. The pan-American sex position. The, yes, there it is. Uh, <laughs> Um, this is the one from Buffalo, right? Yes, this is okay, the one that's in Buffalo. Okay, good. I was like, if I screwed up and did the wrong one, I was gonna be bad. But um, yeah, no, it's a good one. Yeah, it's like it's very cool. It's a World's Fair, right? In the style yes. of the theme was like the Pan American Exposition because it's at the time of let's end American isolationism, you mm-hmm. know, break into Central America. Bust down the doors. Yeah. Speak softly, carry a big stick. Didn't come much longer after this. Yeah. But the event lasted from May 1st to November 2nd of 1901, which I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. I thought it was like a couple weeks, kind of like the state fair or whatever. And they chose Buffalo because at the time it was the eighth largest city in the U.S., with a population of 350,000 people. It's a pretty big city. And because, I guess someone did calculations and said it's reachable by train and, you know, whatever, by about 40 million people. Oh, wow. Which is wild. Yeah. isn't Wasn't it, like, some ridiculous number of people that came? Wasn't it something like 800,000? I think it's 8 million that came. Oh, okay. Yeah, I which over the, I don't know how many months, nine... Nine months. Yeah. Um, It's still quite a lot. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's like, I would say that 8 million people is a lot of people. That's the number of people people that live in New York City. Yeah. It's the, everyone from New York City just hopped on a train Mm -hmm. and came up to Buffalo and Mm -hmm. went to the fair. 
Mm-hmm. And it, but it was only the the one day. Yeah. No one else came any <laughs> other day of the fair. No. It was just the one day. Yeah. So this was a place, like all the other world's fairs, to like showcase new technology advancements, boast about like the greatness of the city and the region. Um, so all of the buildings that were built for the exposition, are you going to talk about these? Yeah. I'll move Are on. you going to talk about that? No, no. Okay. I, this was just a, I'll let you talk about it then. Okay. No, you can, you can give like a little bit of background. I just was worried for a second that we had done the same thing. No, 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 no. This is just my intro that they, okay. most of them are okay, just okay. wooden cheap facade type buildings that were torn down mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah. But the only building that's still standing was a New York state building and it's now used as a Buffalo History Museum. Yes. And it's it's actually a very cool building. I've yeah, been have in it a you couple been? times? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And behind it is like they have a Japanese garden. So that's oh, where nice. the cherry blossoms are, and that's where they have the oh, like Buffalo yeah. Cherry Blossom Festival. Yeah. And there's a pool or a, a lake, and there's like a man-made lake um, in Delaware Park. So mm-hmm. it's like a really it's a very pretty part of town. Yeah. But it's surrounded by houses now, and it, it doesn't have like the original fairgrounds or anything. Right. Yeah. So. On September 16th, 1901, mm-hmm. during the fair, mm-hmm. President William McKinley... <gasps> everyone's just, favorite president. Everyone's fave president, President mm-hmm. William McKinley, um, was just hanging, greeting fairgoers. He was like, nah, nah, I don't need any security. I, I got this. Everyone mm-hmm. loves me. I'm cool. I'm infallible. Yeah. yeah, and then he was fine, and he went home and had a And he a was nice fine dinner. and went home in the, e- the end. Yep. yep. That's it. That's the end of the story. Um, actually, though, he was shot by Leon Sholgos, mm-hmm. an anarchist who was looking to incite violence and kind of cause an uprising of anarchy. Yeah. Um, at the time, anarchy was like the worst. Right. Yeah. You know, it was like one of those like huge fears that everyone had. Right. Um, so he was shot. He was mm-hmm. shot twice. One of the bullets passed into his abdomen. The second one was like deflected off of a button which i don't know how that works but (laughs) it was deflected off of a button on his jacket um and so then an ambulance carried him to the hospital at the fair which was limited only to nurses and interns but it did have an operating theater which is good yeah and they called up a, a famous doctor Dr. Roswell Park, who, like, there's a lot of new development going on in Buffalo, like, medical campuses happening, and Roswell Park is, like, one of the medical providers, I don't know, like a, like a UHS, that sort of thing. Okay, yeah. But Dr. Roswell Park was in Niagara Falls performing a neck surgery at the time, so he was like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm in the middle of this neck surgery. I can't come down to save the president. Mm-hmm. My bad. I got to finish yeah. up this neck surgery. Prior and then I got to go look at the falls, you know. I'll get you the next time. Next, I'll get next you next go time. Around. I yeah. promise. Um, but ironically, a few weeks later, he successfully treated another patient for very similar gunshot wounds. So he actually did get them next time. Oh. Uh, and that person survived? And that person survived, yes. Oh, my God. That sucks for the president. <laughs> Yeah. Did it say who treated him or like? Yep. So the first doctor to arrive was Dr. Herman Minter. Uh, not that oh. clown. I know. Followed by Dr. Matthew Mann, who oh, was a gynecologist 
and was like, yes, I am here. I have experience in abdomens. I will treat you. Uh-huh. Sure. Do you so. think that was the first time a gynecologist treated a president of the United States? That's a really good question. Probably, That's right? Good. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to sure, say yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. Meet cute certified. Meet cute certified. Blue check mark. Ding. Mm-hmm. First time a U.S. president was treated by a gynecologist. Yep. And last. And last. Yep. They never, they never let the women doctors. Mm-hmm. The doctors for women. Yeah. So in the operating theater, the afternoon light was fading. And they're like, well, we got to try to get this bullet out. Let's mm-hmm. dive in. So although the fair was electrically lit up at night. Yeah. The operating theater didn't have any artificial light in it. What? So the outside of the fair, I don't oh know if you're going to talk about God. this, is, you know, strung up with lights and there's yeah. pictures and it's beautiful. Right. Yeah. But they didn't put light inside the operating theater. Oh so they God. had to rely on the sunlight to perform the surgery. And this was at like four, four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So to and increase in the lighting, September, they had to right? have September. Yeah. Yeah. So. So it's not like it's getting dark, but it is getting like. It's not saying light. The light is, is, is yes. Yeah. 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 The angles of the light is not maybe not necessarily coming in as good mm. as it could be. It's not as easy for them to read their prescription bottle with their bifocals. <laughs> <laughs> as it maybe could be. It's the golden hour, perfect for reading your prescription bottles with your bifocals. We have to, we have to find that picture so that we can put it on. Um, I might have it on my computer, mm. but that was a Snapchat. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'll look for it. We I'll can, look for it. Later. We can try and hunt it down. Yeah, at a later date, I will stop interrupting you someday. Someday it'll happen. But today's not that day. No. So to increase the lighting in the room, they had a third doctor just stand there and reflect light into his wound so they could see it. <laughs> and that had to be a medical professional? They couldn't just get some guy? They had to wait know. for a third doctor to arrive? <laughs> we need Jim. He's an expert in holding the mirror. <laughs> That's his specialty. Mm-hmm. He's done it so many times for me as a gyno. Mm-hmm. Then they injected McKinley with morphine and strychnine to ease his pain, which strychnine is not great. What is that? Um, I learned about it in chemistry. I'm just going to look it up. Okay. I'm going to okay. tweet gynecologist Here's what, according quick. to... <laughs> according to CDC, strychnine is a white odor- odorless bitter crystalline powder that can be taken by mouth, inhaled, or mixed in a solution given intravenously. Strychnine is a strong poison. Only a small amount is needed to produce severe effects in people. Mm. Cool. So they put that in him, also morphine, because they're like, here's some painkillers. Mm-hmm. And they administered ether to sedate him. God. Here's That's a cocktail. Rag. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I think we can kind of guess that this hospital wasn't super well equipped. Sounds like it was just a room with a maybe an operating table. Uh, but they didn't have any retractors that like hold open the wound and all the other things. Yeah. That doctors use. 
So they just kind of went in and went for it and started poking around with their fingers. Cool. Into his wound. Love Since that. he was super weak, they're like, oh, we could only do a little poking around for the trying to find this uh-huh. bullet. Yeah. They made an incision, I think, nearby to the gunshot wound to remove cloth that had been trapped inside him from the bullet entering. Mm-hmm. And they found when they made the incision that the bullet had entered and exited his stomach. Mm, that's not what you want. Nope. So they stitched up those holes. And they couldn't find the bullet. And they're like, well, shit, what are we going to do? <laughs> so the gynecologist was like, I'm not used to these holes. <laughs> no. Ironically, there was a primitive x-ray machine on display at the show, oh. but they didn't use it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't just set up, set up Chekhov's x-ray machine. Chekhov's <laughs> operating room lights. Yep. Chekhov's <laughs> primitive x-ray machine. I think later on, when Is he this? was dying at home, mm-hmm. someone sent an x-ray machine, but it wasn't big enough for him. And it like what? it was sent from New Jersey by its inventor, Ugh. Thomas Edison. <laughs> that clown famously are you the inventor me? of the x-ray machine thomas uh-huh. edison so he's known his for, only yeah. good invention uh-huh it was not used on the president sources vary on why this was uh a biographer stated that the machine which she says was procured by cordelou and accompanied by a trained operator was not used on orders of the doctors in charge of mckinley's case oh uh, Miller, which I think is another the biographer. murder, most foul murder. It's a good conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, someone else, another biographer recounts that doctors attempted to test it on a man about McKinley's size, but proved to be missing a crucial part, much to Edison's embarrassment. Ooh. But it doesn't expand much beyond that. Uh, what the crucial part is. like, Guys, this is like... And this is an effort on the part of multiple people. Like this is willful neglect. This well, this, this whole thing really, neglect. really was like yeah. honestly. Oh my god! I can't believe that this one man has been credited with killing President McKinley when clearly it was this gynecologist was, and the other whole guy. This whole stream of people. Yeah, the anarchist, the gynecologist. The mm-hmm. first doctor and the mm-hmm. doctor holding the light. Oh, that's the, holding the mirror. worst the, the worst knockoff game of Clue. <laughs> <laughs> we should uh, make that. It would be a great game. Yeah. You can buy it on meetcutist.com. <laughs> you get all of your Meet Cutest brand board games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They used a black silk thread to stitch up the incision that they made as well as a gunshot wound, and concluded that the bullet must be lodged in his back muscles. And they're cool. like, well, it's not going to move, so I guess we'll just leave it. Yeah, don't need those guys. Don't need those. Uh, they did not drain his wounds or use any sort of disinfection when they were operating on him, so that's uh, not great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is if you're trying to kill the president. It's true. Anarchy, man. Mm-hmm. They gave him another shot of painkiller and woke live him with up. Them. Can't live with him. Uh, They woke him up and sent him back to the house he was staying at for the fair around 5.30 in the evening on September 6th. The next day, September 7th, Mm -hmm. he seemed to be doing a lot better. 
He was like oh. talking to people, hanging. In spite of all of this. Happy. And every, everyone, everyone around was like, good. He's going to recover. Like yeah. over the next like four days, everyone was like, awesome. He's doing great. Yeah. Um, Teddy Roosevelt was there and he left for his trip to Mount Marcy. Uh-huh. Um, and oh, that, yeah. so that's his right. journey back is like super um, famous. Vice president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he took like some sketchy carriage ride because he was like halfway up Mount Marcy in the middle of nowhere. So they had like oh, yeah. a ranger that came and found him and he took like a sketchy overnight carriage ride to the train station. So... Some biographers write that McKinley's apparent recovery, because it was a solid, like, half a week that yeah. he was doing real good. Yeah. Before uh, was he was murdered. Murdered. That's the slow game. Yeah, before they finished the job. They think it was just his body not yet noticing that, like, gangrene was happening within, mm-hmm. like, where the bullet was, his pancreas, and his kidneys. Which I I wasn't super confident on what gangrene was, but it's basically just your body tissue starts dying because it's not getting blood or nutrients. Cool. So that's why people get it on their feet and their fingers or extremities. Oh, yeah. Ugh. On September 11th, 1901. Mm Mm-hmm. A hundred years. A hundred years, yeah. Freaky. Yeah. They fed him chicken broth and toast. <gasps> this is crazy how An parallel omen. those experiences are. History repeats itself, oh my friends. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why? Uh, so up to this point, he was just getting nutritive enemas. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not sure if those are still real, if that's how that works. But okay. I feel like that's something that's now administered intravenously. Like, I think that, like, if you're, like, if you need, if you can't eat and you're getting nutrients injected into your body, they usually go through your veins now, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's that's been my experience. Also, they did do it to President James A. Garfield, who was also assassinated. I didn't know he was assassinated. Why are we putting nutrients up the president's ass? What is it with the 1900s? God. I didn't know James Garfield was assassinated, which is interesting. I don't know anything about James Garfield. He was only president for six months, and then he was assassinated. And it was really striking because everyone thought that uh, Lincoln's assassination was kind of a fluke like they're like oh it's just a result of the war it's just because mm-hmm. of the war but then yeah. when james garfield was assassinated they're like oh so presidents people can be assassinated for other reasons yeah people just want to kill these guys huh yeah oh my gosh do you think they gave lincoln a nutrient enema no, no he died pretty quick right he yeah he was shot in the head so mm-hmm. he died really quickly small miracles and then they they tried to revive him <laughs> with the revival enema <laughs> they thought he was just faking you're a good actor, Abe. Maybe you should be in this play. Presidential assassination stories are fascinating. I think because there's a lot of documented detail around them. Right. Which makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. it'd be weird if there wasn't, but... Right. Yeah, it gets into stuff that I feel like they don't usually... Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's usually not that much information about things that happened that long ago. That's yeah. insane, though, that there was just, like, all this stuff around that, like, definitely could have been helpful. And they were just like, nah. 
Nah. Now we got this, you guys. What I was surprised about, too, is like looking up info about the exposition. I was like, what kind of technology did they have on Showcase? Like, mm-hmm. that's really hard to find. But yeah. information about McKinley's nutritive enemas, very easy to find. Yeah. Um, I spent probably 15 minutes trying to chase down information on Boomer the Educated Horse. <laughs> And I couldn't find anything except for the fact that there was an educated horse (laughs) named Boomer. And I'm devastated. (laughs) I'm going to make sure that was his name. Boomer. I swear that was his name. Bonner. Oh. Not as funny. Bono? Bonner. Bono. Bono was there. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Healed about apartheid. That's why he was so educated. Bonner. Bonner the educated horse. He can add a column of eight, apparently. That's all the information. That's all the information that survives (laughs) on Bonner the educated horse. I don't know in what other ways he may have been educated. I can't find it. That's so sad. I know. So back to September 11th, 1901. Mm Mm-hmm. When they fed him chicken broth and toast. Afterwards, yeah. he's like, ooh, my tummy hurts. And the doctors are like, nah, nah. It's just indigestion. You're cool. Oh You're God. fine. But then on the early morning of the 13th, he suffered a collapse. And that really brought into light that he wasn't going to survive. That was the final nail in his coffin, if you will. Uh, uh, they poisoned him, though. Yeah seems like so for the next 24 ish hours he was just bedridden in and out of consciousness and he died around 2 a.m on september 14th like eight days after he was shot yeah which is quite a long time to go i mean surprisingly dead afterwards so right i'm on board with this conspiracy train yeah um i'm i'm half on board with the conspiracy train because that was like a thing in the early 1900s late 1800s where like mm-hmm. medical science just was not to a point where like we could foresee some of the complications that happen right. after True. um like bullet wounds and stuff like the fact that they didn't find the bullet like the fact that they didn't get the bullet out like yeah of course like he started to develop you know gangrene he probably went septic like mm-hmm. you know other that that kind of stuff happens when you don't properly treat a wound like that Mm -hmm. which would not be the case as likely now like it would be way way more likely for him to die early on Mm -hmm. you know than to have something like that not be discovered true and have that kill him a week later but yeah no like they definitely were like oh man he's getting better from this huh better slip some poison in that chicken broth great job guys pat on Mm -hmm. the back yeah they did perform an autopsy afterwards, though, mm. and they found that the bullet passed through his stomach, like we knew that before, yeah. then yeah. through his transverse colon, which is like the part of your Ooh. large intestine that's horizontal, Yeah, and then hit part of his kidney and his pancreas and his adrenal glands, but Ooh. they never actually found the bullet, <gasps> even really? during, yeah, even during the autopsy, they never what? got it. That's insane. Yeah. After four hours of autopsy, Ida McKinley, his wife, demanded that they stop. And 
She killed him. She's her. She killed him. You heard it here first. And they took a death mask and moved him to Buffalo City Hall for the start of his journey uh, back through Washington and to Canton, Ohio, where he's from. Mm. They also did discover during the autopsy that he suffered from cardiomyopathy, Mm. which is basically just your heart muscles degenerating into like fatty tissue. Oh. So this is something that definitely contributed to him dying because it made it more difficult for him to recover from any type of traumatic wound or surgery. Right. And some modern scholars believe that McKinley Mm. died of pancreatic necrosis. Oh. A condition that is difficult to treat today and would have been completely impossible for the doctors of his time. Huh. But like he was shot though too. I think the I feel pancreatic like that contributed. Yeah, the pancreatic necrosis I think is a direct result of the gunshot. Oh, okay. Wound. Okay. It's a sudden inflammation of the pancreas. So yeah. So that would have been from his gunshot wound. So we hinted at it earlier. Um Yeah. But something that caught my eye when I first started researching the exposition as a whole and trying to find the thing that I wanted to hone in on, Mm -hmm. um, I was going through a list of all of the buildings that were constructed and most of them had been demolished. Mm -hmm. So I started looking into that and the thing is it was planned from the beginning that they would be, which is always interesting to me, like buildings that are specifically constructed for events like this, Mm -hmm. like there's all the abandoned Olympic villages across yeah. the globe and like yeah. that. There's others that have been demolished or repurposed of like the Olympic villages and stuff. But those mm-hmm. are like the more recent examples. Like those are the ones that I think everybody thinks of because um, we don't really have World's Fairs anymore. Um, right. And so I didn't really know what the history was of impermanent buildings from uh-huh. World's Fairs like the Pan American Exposition. So what I really looked into for this week was the architecture and not really specifically the art side of the architecture but the Mm -hmm. impermanence of it i love this yes uh so the pan-american exposition was designed by a board of eight architects and i'm not Mm -hmm. going to name them all because i don't care so the idea of impermanence came up almost (laughs) immediately uh when this design process began and Something to note is the American approach to impermanent architecture has been visually very different to the European approach at this Mm. time period. Mm -hmm. Um, Like visually, European World's Fair buildings leaned into their own impermanence. Like the fact that they didn't really have to last lent itself to both grandiosity and the ability to tailor the building's very specifically to the nature and contents of the fair Mm -hmm. but in america the fact that these buildings were impermanent wasn't something that you could really tell just by looking at them right so they were made of like plaster basically Mm -hmm. plaster and fiber and stuff laid over steel and timber frames and other things that wouldn't really have lasted for a very long time past the end of the exposition a year later but Mm -hmm. they looked very big and solid and imposing and they weren't about to fall over or anything but like you kind of mentioned they were more facades than anything Mm -hmm. else um 
So the location of the exposition was interesting because it brought me back to a friend of the show, Frederick Law Olmsted. <gasps> Here he is. Here he is. So yes. it was built on a fairly level vacant lot what at the time was a vacant lot, um, yeah. very close to what was referred to in the text I was reading as the park, um, mm-hmm. which it was a text from the time. So I assume that they just didn't really care and were like, yeah, like everybody knows it's the park. Mm-hmm. Um, but I looked it up. It seems like they were referring to Delaware Park, which you mentioned, um, yeah. on kind of the northeast side of Buffalo, mm-hmm. which was part of Olmsted's park system that we talked about in the highway design episode. Yeah. And... and- Ironically, also, one of the expressways that I talked about does cut right through the park. Oh, really? Yeah, it cuts oh. pretty much around the uh, park lake and the the little lake that the New York State Building slash Buffalo History Museum is on. Okay, so, yeah. So all, all of this Buffalo history is colliding. It's very good. Okay. Yeah. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, at the time, they actually cared about the park. And so one of the difficult things about that location was they couldn't make any alterations to the park itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So like the exposition wasn't technically in the park. It was like kind of on top of it. Like it was like right next to it. Mm -hmm. Um, So they the exposition couldn't spill over into the park at all. And instead, what they decided to do was extend the park into the exposition so they made this like gradual evolution from natural space into expo to try and almost localize it a bit and make the right. exhibition feel like it belonged there. Even though, again, like completely temporary, like they did not have to do any of wow. this to try and be like, yeah, it's always here. Like, this is fine. Like, no, like it's only there for the thing. People who are coming to it know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a year later and it's time for the expo to come down. So I'm going to read a couple quotes from the official report on the demolition. Mm-hmm. Uh, on August 6th, the electric tower at the Pan American grounds was manually destroyed. The tower was being raised from the top downwards, and men were put at harm's way repeatedly to dissemble the building. What? Also, each of the steel beams must be detached separately and lowered to the ground by a gin pole. The height at which operations were commenced upon the dome was 375 feet. The workmen crawl around on the beams, which have been denuded of the covering of staff and lathing preparatory for this work, unscrewing a nut here, driving out rivets there, and all with as much apparent calmness as if they were squatting upon their heels upon the ground. So, like, basically, and this is not something that's unique to the Pan American Exposition, like, workers Mm -hmm. are being put in harm's way and are just, like, fine with it because they're used to it. They're used to working 375 feet above the ground and, you know, not having any ropes attaching them and Mm -hmm. not, you know, not being suspended from anything, just kind of walking around on steel beams, Um, which sucks. Don't love it. Not great. Uh, Not great. No. So everybody designing these buildings knew that they were temporary, but there wasn't a ton of pre-planning work done to make sure it was going to be easy for those buildings to come down when the time came. And Mm -hmm. like this was right on the park. It was surrounded by stuff. It was surrounded by city. They couldn't have just brought in dynamite and a wrecking ball because (laughs) right couldn't just raised it to the ground because there were businesses nearby and people's homes like not as much as there are now but like there was stuff there yeah um 
So a lot of the buildings, it seems, were disassembled by hand in kind of this fashion by employees of the Chicago House Wrecking Company who bid (laughs) on the location for an amount I had some trouble verifying. Um, I saw that like one report said that it was 80,000, another that it was low as 60,000. And another that it was upwards of 90,000, but most of them seem to be in kind of that ballpark. Is so, that in 2019 dollars? No, that is in... 1901 dollars? Uh, I'm, I'm very, very certain that that's 1901 dollars. That's a lot um, of money. Yeah, a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money. But I'm sure that they made that back. Yeah. And then so Oh, yeah. You know. Um, well, I've saw... Uh, statistic that it was cost 50 cents to get in which is like 15 dollars yeah. today with right. 8 million people visiting yeah that's a, a lot of money yeah it's a ton of money um yeah so they both brought workers from their home location they were a company based as you can probably guess out of chicago Ooh. um but they also hired quite a few local workers uh to help mm-hmm. demolish the fair And in total, they started out in March of 1902 with upwards of 200 workers. And Uh I couldn't find a concrete end date, but most reports said that it took about a year to demolish the whole expo. Yeah. And the Triumphal Bridge was one of the last structures on the exposition grounds. And that was demolished on June 14th, 1903. So that's more than a year. Oh, my God. Yeah. After demolition started. Yeah. That's two so. years after the show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. A lot went into taking it apart. And it's mostly like houses now. Yeah, it is. It's a very residential area. And something that I find really kind of strange is there's just a rock with a plaque on it. In, yeah, like the median of one of these residential streets that's just like McKinley was shot here. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I saw that. Um and the place that he was shot was the Hall of Music. Yeah, um the Temple of Music. Yeah, yeah. And that was one of the ones that was really like not gonna last. Because the company mm. that um <laughs> the Chicago House Wrecking Company that wanted to that was demolishing the fair like they sold some of the buildings and some of the con like they i'm pretty sure that the contents of the buildings had been sold already but um like they sold some of the architecture and stuff Mm -hmm. and they wanted to try and sell the temple of music because it had like that kind that significance attached to it but it would just it would have been absolutely impossible to move it because it wasn't constructed well enough. Huh. Yeah. So they just like also a tore it apart. Pre- pretty big dome, right? So if yeah. you that making right. out of cheap materials, making yeah. a dome, like that's yeah. not going to be great. Not really designed to be picked up and moved no. somewhere else. No, no, not at all. Yeah. It was, it took them longer to demolish it than it did for the whole exposition to happen. Wow. Which I thought was nuts. There's also a building downtown in Buffalo now that's called the Electric Tower. Yes. And it, yeah. Uh, it's modeled after. Yeah, it was built the in original, the style right? of the original. And I've yeah. been inside, and it's very cool. Oh, uh, nice. But it served as the headquarters for Niagara Mohawk Electric Company, which is the precursor to National Grid, oh, at least okay. here in, New- in western New York. Right, yeah. Uh, but it was basically, like, walking through the building, they have all these, like, really historic photos and stuff in the hallways. 
Mm-hmm. And basically the building served as not just like the headquarters of the company, but also like a retail store. Because oh. at the time, the electric industry existed, but they had to sell products so that they could sell electricity to people. Right. So yeah. they'd be like, hey, look at this, I don't know, oven. Don't you want this? Look at these light bulbs. Like selling right. all like things that use electricity so yeah. they could then sell electricity because no, like, no one was buying it you know Mm -hmm. yeah and i think the same was for like natural gas and stuff uh for in people's homes but yeah but yeah it's a cool building there they've been um like redeveloping it and it's now like lots of different office spaces and stuff cool and and in the tower there's like circular office spaces it's very cool oh nice yeah um i also read that the original um was powered by niagara yeah, I think the whole the whole fair whole was fair was yeah, and I think that was part of Falls. part of the the grandeur of it was you know look at right. these huge falls we can right. use them to make this electricity right it's yeah. very very transcendentalist I think yeah 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 it's cool though too because it's clean energy yeah it is really you cool. know yeah like it's not burning coal to right generate electricity it's water. The power plants in Niagara Falls, there's, I mean, not the, the modern ones, but harnessing power from Niagara Falls is very old. Yeah, we could do an episode on Niagara Falls, I feel like. I think we have it down, mm-hmm. but we should. Yeah. You know what's hilarious? I just remembered mm-hmm. the hydroelectric power plant in Niagara Falls is called the Robert Moses. hydroelectric power that old scoundrel enemy of the show enemy of the show he's been in Um, three episodes now oh my god has he really what was the third he was in this one Uh uh-huh highways highways oh you brought him up another time it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who cares nobody's listening to this show (laughs) who cares who cares um so McKinley was murdered, but not in the way you think. Yep, is what we learned this week. Um, Wrap up. He was murdered yeah. Yeah. by doctors. Yeah, enemies of the show. Enemies of the show. Doctors. Medical professionals. Um, Herman Minter and Doctor Matthew Mann. Mm-hmm. Also, that Ida was- McKinley, the dark horse. Yeah. Uh, she was behind the whole thing. Yeah, that's why she wanted them to stop the autopsy because she didn't want to be found yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Her fingerprints were all up inside of his body. Mm-hmm. She's the one who took out the bullet. Yeah, because it had her initials on it. It did. Rich people got to stop monogramming stuff. Um, so that's <laughs> gonna do it for us this week. Uh, thank you for joining us for our episode of the Pan American Exposition. And thank you also to She's a Spy for Ooh. the music that we use at the beginning and end of our show. Uh, you can find her on Spotify by searching She's a Spy. You can find us online at meetcutist.com and also on Twitter and Instagram now mm-hmm. at meetcutist. Yes. Uh, and if you enjoyed the time you spent with us today, you can follow and subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes, respectively. And you can also rate and review the show on iTunes, if that's what you're into. Uh. All right. That's my review. <laughs> Thanks. We'll be righteous back next week. 
Yeah. I won't. I'll be in Italia. That's fine. Not um, murdering my husband. Yes. Uh, at least, so, so it will. The episode. There will be an episode next the week. The episode will be up. Yes. Emotionally, this- we will not be righteous back. But episode wise, we will. A couple of weeks from now. Yeah. We were um, righteous back in, I don't know, May when we recorded it. Yeah, who cares? Uh, have fun in Italy. Okay, thanks. Are you talking to me or their viewers? Listeners? I don't know what they're doing. Hey, they're, have are, fun are, in Italy. Everyone just have fun. Have fun in Italy. Have fun in Italy. Hey, you too. Thanks. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.